We are like nothing before the Lord, especially when it comes to trying to tell Him how things should be. That is why it is so critical to stay away from false doctrines and those that teach them, because God's truth, His word, His complete counsel to man, is the only thing that teaches us how to find true life, the eternal life that can only be had through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hello and welcome to another message from the Latter Rain Ministries, where we're dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. Today's message is a warning. Beware of false doctrines and those who teach them. Now more than ever, we really need to be careful with what we listen to and read. We're living in the end times and there's much more deception and false teaching than ever before. There are doctrines that favor more the flesh and its desires than the truth of the Bible. So we need to be careful with what we take in as truth and with the ill-intentioned people that deceive for their own personal gain. Today's message is inspired on 2 Peter chapter 2. Let us pray together. Lord God, Heavenly Father, blessing and honor be to you, O Lord God. To you be all the glory forever and ever, for yours is the kingdom and the power. Lord God, I praise you, O Lord, because you are truly good and merciful, because you are loving to us, O Lord God. Thank you for the love that you showed us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for forgiveness, that you please always forgive our sins, that you please have mercy on us, O Lord God. I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, O Lord, for your guidance, for your clarity, Lord God. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you may help us to, Lord God, understand what is it we need to be careful with, what are the things we need to listen to, and the things we should ignore or stay away from. Heavenly Father, guide us, O Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Today's key passage can be found in Peter's second epistle, chapter 2. This is the word of the Lord. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words. For a long time their judgment has not been idle, and their destruction does not slumber. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness, to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations, and to reserve the unjust under punishment, for the day of judgment, and especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels who are greater in power and might 
do not bring a reviling accusation against them before the Lord. But these, like natural brute beasts, made to be caught and destroyed, speak evil of the things they do not understand and will utterly perish in their own corruption and will receive the wages of unrighteousness as those who count it pleasure to carouse in the daytime. They are spots and blemishes, carousing in their own deceptions while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, enticing unstable souls. They have a heart trained in covetous practices and are accursed children. They have forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. But he was rebuked for his iniquity. A dumb donkey speaking with the man's voice restrained the madness of the prophet. These are wells without water, clouds carried by a tempest, for whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. For when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through lewdness, the ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in them and overcome, the latter end is worse for them than the beginning, for it would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than having known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, a dog returns to his own vomit, and a sow, having washed to her wallowing in the mire. This particular passage is full of warnings, of things that were supposed to happen soon in the early church. These same things are now running rampantly throughout. And as foretold in the scriptures, they are happening as a sign of the end times. If there ever was a time where there would be falsehood within the universal church itself, it would be now. It brings me no joy at all to say that it is hard to find truth in God's so-called people today. There are many things that sound like the truth, but are not the truth. And just because some people refer to certain parts of the Bible when sharing does not mean that the teaching and or doctrine is in fact sound or biblical. We need to be very careful to what we read and listen to. I cannot stress enough the need for a person to read and study the Bible on their own through the guidance of the Holy Spirit, which only comes through being born again in Christ. A person cannot understand the Word of God unless they are being guided by the Holy Spirit of God. That's why I cannot stress enough the importance of coming to have that genuine and personal relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Not just for salvation, but for guidance after taking the initial step. You see, we need to start living for the Lord and we need to continue living for the Lord until we breathe our last breath. And so if we need to start explaining anything, we need to first establish what true sound doctrine teaches. The very first thing that the Bible teaches regarding salvation, even before surrendering our lives to Christ, as a prerequisite, if you will, is complete repentance and conversion from sin. Without that, faith cannot save a person. A person can say all they want, that they believe in God and that they believe in Jesus, but if there is no true repentance and conversion from all sin, not just some things, then there can simply be no salvation, no indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now, does that mean that we need to be perfect in order for the Holy Spirit to come into our lives? Of course not. 
But what we need to do is understand that first step where we at least acknowledge all of our sins before God and we ask Him for forgiveness without any reservations, without any kind of justification, because we are asking for a God that is truly holy to come to live in our hearts. That's the way that the heart is cleansed before the Lord. As it is written, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the very first step that God wants to have happen in every person that truly wants to know Him. There is no other way. That's why it is also written, Repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. This is the only way that our sins will be cleansed through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, but by confessing and repenting from all of them. And here is where we will need to shine a light on one of the greatest heresies that exists and is very widespread throughout our Christian community. And that is that a person does not need to repent from their sins in order to be saved, that they just need to believe in Jesus. That is one major lie that is keeping many, many people from having a true relationship with the Lord. The Holy Spirit can simply not come to live in a house that has not been cleansed. It is impossible. The ministry of John the Baptist was all about repentance, which was the very thing that paved the way for the Lord's ministry on earth. That is how the prophecy that was written in Isaiah was fulfilled in the life of John the Baptist. For it says, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This was the message and function of John the Baptist. And John also said, therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance. What does that mean? that it's not just about saying that you're sorry for all your sins before the Lord, but it also means to turn from the wrong you are doing and to make up or restore the people you hurt through your sin. If you hurt people, the Lord calls us to right the wrong as best as possible. That is what fruits worthy of repentance means. The second thing that is required for salvation is the acknowledgement of Jesus as Lord. The Bible is very specific in that Jesus cannot be accepted as Savior or anything else on its own. He must become the literal Lord of your life. Romans chapter 10 says this, But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And so Jesus must become our literal Lord as well as the acknowledgement of his resurrection in order for salvation to occur. And it must be done with complete faith. There cannot be any doubt. We must believe in our heart, in the center of our being and confess this truth with our mouth. And here is another fallacy that is preached often that you just need to accept Jesus as your savior. Is Jesus our Savior? Absolutely, 100%. But when a person just acknowledges Jesus as their Savior, they're only acknowledging the service that Jesus has done for them. 
In order for a person to belong to the Lord, they must surrender to Him as Lord. They must hand over their life to Him. They must relinquish all power to Him. They must dethrone sin in their life and their own control over their lives and hand over themselves to Him as the Lord so that they can effectively belong to Him. This issue is also substantiated with the notion that we are all God's children. That is not the case. We are not born children of God. We must decide to become children of God. For it is also written, But as many as received him, speaking of Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. And so, we are God's creation. But we were made with the right to choose with free will. This is the practical reason for why Jesus needs to become the effective and literal Lord of our lives so that we can effectively and literally belong to him. He needs to become our Lord. The next thing that is part of sound doctrine is the understanding that we need to abide in this faith in Christ. The previous things that we explained, such as repentance and conversion from all sin and accepting Jesus as Lord, are the conditions to start a personal and intimate relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But there must be a walk of following, a continuance in that decision. It's not just a one-time decision. We need to abide and remain in Him in that decision we made. Being born again in Christ is just that, a birth, a new beginning. Jesus himself said this in John chapter 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. And Jesus also said this, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. And so, we cannot just be mere believers in Christ. We must be followers of Christ. This is where the implication of Jesus being Lord comes in, that we are not doing our own will anymore, but rather we are doing the Lord's will. So we need to follow and do as the Lord tells us to do through the Holy Spirit. A person that does not do the Lord's will, which in turn is God the Father's will, cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus himself also said this to make sure we understand what truly needs to happen in the life of someone that does want to enter God's kingdom. For it is written, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. In this passage, we clearly see that we need to do the Father's will. We need to do what we are led to do by the Holy Spirit. 
That's why this whole notion that a person is saved by just accepting Jesus as Savior and that they don't need to do anything else is wrong. It's an incomplete process. Good works, doing the Father's will, is the evidence that shows that we truly belong to the Lord. For it is also written, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is a God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you not know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? These are some of the basic false doctrines associated with the basis for salvation through Jesus Christ. To be able to have and lead a true, intimate, and personal relationship with the Lord, we need to repent and convert from all of our sins. We need to accept and make Jesus the Lord of our lives. And as a result of that faith, we need to look to do the Father's will as a lifestyle as we effectively follow Jesus Christ daily. So how do I know when a doctrine is false? Compare whatever teaching you're receiving to the fullness of the scriptures and not just to certain bits and pieces here and there. All teaching or doctrine must align with the fullness of the scriptures. The main way to understand that something is a false teaching or doctrine is when it appeals to the flesh, to your sinful side, if you will. That's what we were warned of through what we read today, where it says, for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lust of the flesh. The other way you can see that something is false is when they make you pay more attention to earthly things rather than to heavenly things. We always need to be focused on Christ and heaven-bound things. This world and everything in it is passing. So our main focus cannot be here and now. Our main focus should be doing what the Lord's will is here. So everything we do now counts towards eternity. Hebrews chapter 12 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. If you serve the flesh and the things of the flesh, then there is where your reward will be. Matthew chapter 6 speaks to us very clearly regarding where our focus needs to be, where it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God's path is straight, and narrow. If we look at what the Bible explains, it's something very exact, straight, and not popular. Most people would like to go to heaven and have eternal life, but on their own terms, 
and now how God says it needs to be. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter seven, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. The Lord put things even more exact through this passage that we read in Luke, where it says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. We need to follow the Lord. We need to deny ourselves our sinful, decadent side, and we need to do that daily. Our purpose for living must be the Lord. Otherwise, we will not be able to enter the kingdom of God. So now, how can I know who is a false teacher? The Bible gives us clear indications of this in Matthew chapter seven, where it says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. And so it will all become clear when we observe their fruits, their lifestyle. It is very plain to see after some observation where a person's true focus is. What typically indicates a false teacher or preacher's motives is their love for money and the scriptures give us a clear understanding of the issues that come with the love of money. This is why, for instance, Judas Iscariot betrayed the Lord because he chose to love money or wealth more than the Lord himself. Even though Judas had lived and experienced all of the miracles the Lord did and he heard all of the teachings from the Lord himself and practically lived with Jesus for three years, he still chose to betray the Lord. His love for money was greater. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul instructs Timothy and all of us in the following way. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, Flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. So you see, there can be no love for money. Money is necessary, but it cannot become the focus of our lives. And this is precisely one of the main issues that false teachers and false prophets have, the love for money. And just because a so-called false teacher and her false prophet doesn't seem exotically rich per se, doesn't mean that they're not focused on having wealth. People who are up to no good in the ministry usually are watching out for number one, for themselves, for their own well-being, for their own interests. A servant of the Lord must be selfless and not looking to take advantage of others. We ultimately need to be zealous for the truth. We need to live by the truth if we want to enter the kingdom of God. The word of God is the only place we can find the truth that will make us eternally free from sin. Just as the Lord said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth of God 
is not subjective. We can never go by what we think to or believe. We need to look to the Word of God objectively through the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We always need to keep in mind that we will not be judged by our opinion or by what we think is right and acceptable. God is not going to ask us what we should be judged upon. We don't set the standard. The Lord does. This is what the Bible says regarding about our position before the Lord and that we cannot tell Him how to do anything. In Isaiah chapter 4, it says, Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, measured heaven with a span, and calculated the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord, or as his counselor has taught him? With whom did he take counsel, and who instructed him and taught him in the path of justice? Who taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are as a drop in the bucket and are counted as a small dust on the scales. And all nations before him are as nothing and they are counted by him less than nothing with worthless. We are like nothing before the Lord, especially when it comes to trying to tell him how things should be. There is no telling the God of the universe how to be God and what the standard should be. That is why it is so critical to stay away from false doctrines and those that teach them because God's truth, His word, His complete counsel to man is the only thing that teaches us how to find true life, the eternal life that can only be had through the Lord Jesus Christ. The truth of God, His word, is the only thing that leads us to eternal life. That is why we do not have the luxury to listen to whatever seems like the truth, or least of all, appealing to us, to our sinful desires. The Bible tells us this when many turned away from the Lord and Peter's confession. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The truth is not easy. Many will not be attracted to God's truth because it goes against our sinful nature. It challenges us in our sinful desires. That's why the large crowds follow the lie, because the lie sounds attractive. And of course, there are those that want to find a way on how to capitalize on that possibility to improve their own state. And they don't care if they have to lie and cheat to do it. There are many people with bad intentions, but lies and deceit will never do us any good. Lies and deceit are ultimately representative and part of the devil himself. For it is also written, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. The devil is a thief and that is what he comes to do. There are no good intentions in his nature. The devil is all evil. And so those who follow his ways are also ill-intentioned. But although the truth is not easy, God's truth is the only thing that shows us how to have this abundant life that Jesus came to give us. Here is where we see God's love and that He gives us His truth. He gives us the opportunity to have those things that outweigh anything else this temporary world and the devil for that matter can offer us. 
The devil and the world offers us ultimately death and destruction. Jesus offers us truth and life. This is why we need to cling on to the truth and we need to dismiss the lie. For our own good, we need to stay away from false doctrines and we need to stay away from those that teach them. Just as the scriptures say, if anyone teaches otherwise and does not consent to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which accords with godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but is obsessed with disputes and arguments over words from which come envy, strife, reviling, evil suspicions, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. From such, withdraw yourself. For your own sake, look for the Lord's truth and live by it, because that's all we got, but it's also the best that exists. Let us pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, blessed are you, O Lord God. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, help us, O Lord, to first develop an attraction and a love and a desire for your word, for your truth. Help us to understand the true value of it. And help us, O Lord, to be able to seek it out, to spend time in it, and to let your word work in our lives. Help us to understand that there's, that's the only place we can find eternal life in. It's the only place we can find any kind of reason for existence. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, help us, O God, to be careful with what we listen to and who we follow. Help us, O Lord, to always have our eyes set on you and to allow ourselves to be led by your Holy Spirit. I pray, Heavenly Father, that every evil doctrine that has been raised up, I pray in the name of Jesus that you may cast it down. And I pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, that you help us to be zealous for your truth, for your ways. Because, Lord, you are the only one that has words of eternal life. I give you thanks and I praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please join us again next time as we look into God's Word together. And if you have any questions or just need some prayer, please email us through our website. If you want to listen to other messages, you can go to our website or look for our podcast in the Apple iTunes store under The Latter Rain Ministries to subscribe. The Latter Rain Ministries is a self-supporting Christian ministry dedicated to sharing Jesus Christ and His truth with the world. The Lord is near. May God bless you.